Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. This is Fox Across America. It is not Jimmy Fallon. It's his friend Harry Hurley filling in today with Michael and Joshua. Thanks for spending this portion of your day with us. And it is a big news day on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy, you know, but I want to just give him a quick uh, nod, a quick tip of my cap. A really high-quality, professional stand-up comedian, commentator, author, Fox News Radio, obviously daily with the nationally syndicated Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And Jimmy regularly contributes on the Fox News Channel and Fox Nation platforms and elsewhere. And I can tell you because I carry – I just keep very early hours. I see Jimmy in the 3 o'clock hour a.m., and he's on the channel all over the place, right through Hannity and beyond. So he is really working hard, and it's an honor to fill in for Jimmy today. On the Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon Newsmaker Hotline is a very good friend of mine, longtime friend. We've been friends for about 40 years. The United States Congressman from the 2nd Congressional District in New Jersey, a member of the House Judiciary Committee, House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, a lot of important subcommittee work that he does as well, and one of the most important figures in America today. Congressman Jeff Andrew, welcome to Fox Across America. Harry, always great to be with you. I I have one thought, though. We have been good friends for 40 years. Maybe we should stop the clock on that because people are going to figure out we're getting older. Yeah, as young as we are, the math doesn't seem to work. I guess exactly. we met each other in the play sand when we were two. I'm with you. Exactly. Yeah, something like I that. remember it. And we just remember yep. it all too well because we had a lot of fun. Congressman, this is not fun. Uh, the ceasefire, which has been very precarious uh, throughout and was extended, as you know, now we're in the final day, the final hours. We have a president who needed to be reminded that Hamas is a terrorist organization. That's beyond scary. We've had exactly one dual citizen, but no other Americans have been freed. My story, and I'm sticking to it unless you, the great Jeff Andrew, correct me, is that Iran is controlling the entire process. They funded Hamas and Hezbollah and and the Houthis, the whole deal. Uh, They're once again sticking it to America, making sure that no Americans get released. Am I warm? Am I on to something? Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, here's the real deal, and it's it's hard to fix now because of what was done. Iran is a bad actor. The leadership there, the Ayatollah Khomeini, is a a bad man in just plain, very plain, simple English. And when we catered to that, when we removed the sanctions, which were the real big deal there, allowing them to to make billions upon billions of dollars more – in oil revenue so they could export terrorism, increase terrorism in the Mideast, uh, and enrich uranium. It was insane. I, I, I can't believe they negotiated that deal. A lot of us couldn't believe it. And, and they also were going to, you know, they had a prisoner swap, and it's, it, they're always uneven. So it was their prisoners for ours, and, of course, ours were pretty much innocent folks, and their people were terrorists. Plus, we had to un- we had to loosen $6 billion more for them in order to do that. Now, we have since frozen it again, hopefully, and you keep looking for verification of that. But that's not the point. It shows weakness. Harry, there's a theme here. 
This is a weak administration. It is why Ukraine is happening. It's what they did in Afghanistan. It is why we have the problems we do in the Mideast. Let me ask you about something that I'm torn about it because obviously we want these are not these are prisoners. I mean, we want them all freed. We now know from ones that have gotten out, they've been undernourished. Uh, the, the little children still only whisper because they, they had to be quiet or they probably would have been executed. So they're they're traumatized. Doctors and everyone trying to make them scream even get it out. They're only whispering still now. So they messed up people quite a bit. They've only let young people out. Uh, and I'm just wondering, at the time of September 11, 2001, and I know that, that, that this, you know, not exactly a comparison, but you listen to someone like Benjamin Netanyahu, prime minister, and he will tell you that this was worse, that this was worse than our September 11th and Pearl Harbor put together. And yet the world, and, and, and I believe behind the scenes, the president and, and his incompetent people uh, pushing this ceasefire thing seems to me that a ceasefire benefits Hamas. It lets them reconstitute. It lets them plan uh, and and do no good. And and yet they got it. And then it's hard to argue it because then you're what? Incom- you're not compassionate because you, we want to get people out of there. And how do you get them out unless you have some type of pause? But it just seems like Hamas got everything they wanted and wasn't it something that the, the, even the um, the number of their people that they get versus yep. what we get is so disproportionate? And one other quick comment, and then right back to you, Congressman, because people want to hear from you and not me, is this. Hamas is getting back prisoners, like really bad people. We're getting back hostages. This is what weakness breeds. We're in a weak position right now. So, you know, if you go, and, they, and they know it. I mean, they, they, look, they're using this time to regroup, refinance, rearm, and reorganize. There's no question about it. And they know because we are compassionate people, Israel and the United States, yeah. that we care about these hostages. And quite frankly, we also care about innocent Palestinians, too. Uh, which they don't. They use them as fodder. They put them up front just to try to make you know the Israeli soldiers look bad. So we're in a difficult situation because you do want to get the hostages back, and we're willing to do almost anything to do it. But believe me, more men and women are going to die in the future who are fighting it out there on the ground because of this. Again, um, Iran is behind this. We knew they would be. They're an exporter of terrorism. They are a, a tremendous enemy. You know, I, last night I was privy. We were pretty much locked away in a soundproof room because we're discussing FISA on the Judiciary Committee and the Intel Committee because both are involved with this. I cannot go into the details of that. But as we know, this was misused and the FBI was actually investigating Americans. So do we need to be able to investigate people when they're involved with terrorism? Yes, but we have to make sure it's not misused. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do you know, through legislation. But the point was when you do hear some of the people they've caught, the Chinese – and their pill factories where they were manufacturing hundreds of millions of fentanyl pills. Yep. When you hear 
the Iranians were doing and, and, and what, how they were killing people, uh, and, you know, undercover work on their part just to destroy America in any way possible. This is no joke, man. We're in a real thing here, and people have to understand that, and we've got a real problem. But if you have a president – see, what this president's doing, Harry, he's trying to play both ends because yeah. he has a part of his party – uh, the Palestinians, and, and again, some Palestinians are innocent in this, but not, but many of them are not, particularly though Hamas. So he's trying to appeal to the the very left in his party, the pro-Palestinians, the, and even a few that have connections to Hamas. Uh, and at the same time, he's trying to appeal to you know Jewish people and the people in this country who think this is all wrong. You got to be hot or cold. You got to either be right or wrong. You got to stand up for what you believe, and I think he displays this weakness is why his numbers even go down more. It endangers our country. It endangers Israel. Israel needs support. They must wipe out Hamas from the face of the earth, exactly, just like we did after September 11th. Congressman, even Golda Meir, I don't say even in that respect, but even back that far, said you cannot. The two-state solution is a joke. First of all, P- Palestine is not a state. Uh, let's start there. But it's a joke. When their philosophy is that Israel must be wiped off the face of the earth, I mean, how can you, how can you make a deal uh, with someone that, that, that is, is dedicated to your uh, total annihilation, your non-existence? It's absurd. And I want to go to—because um, we were interviewing back even before, but at the time of the Patriot Act— September 11th, 2001 era. I remember a conversation that we had at the time where we said, you know, we trust President George W. Bush, but there will be scoundrels that we don't know, and they'll come along. And under normal circumstances in America, the Patriot Act is it's unconstitutional. It's outrageous. And now that we find out that they've lied about uh, yep. information to get FISA warrants and that they're spying on the American people. I mean, committing crimes, unbelievable crimes. Uh, the Patriot Act should be let to expire. And then the the important investigative aspects of it should be brought back in legislation that's constitutional. They have forfeited the right to have these unconstitutional privileges. And how are you hit it right on the head? That's what we're trying to figure out here. Good people like Jim Jordan uh, and I and others on the Judiciary Committee have real concerns. This is the real hard part of legislating. And quite frankly, it's why I pushed really hard to get on the Judiciary Committee. It's a hard committee to get on. Judiciary, oversight, intel, ways and means, that's where you're really seeing the action. And here's just another example. Somehow we have to figure out how to have, because we are dealing with the devil, with Iran, China, Russia uh, and others. They're not the only ones. And we've got to, you know, figure out how to get the information we need. Because let me tell you, and you know, even we can relate to this locally in, in the state of New Jersey, uh, you know, when I most recently visited the FAA, they have a, a, a specific cyber department there. They get millions, I'm not exaggerating here, millions of cyber attacks every day, every day. Wow. They have to protect us from that. This is no joke. No, um, not at all. We have to be strong. We have to have that ability to do that at the same time. This is so important. And I said this last night, and then this is not confidential. I said, you know what? 
This is the United States of America, man. People's personal freedoms, the First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, um, they're real important. We just can't give that away. You know what Ben Franklin said? If you're willing to give away your freedom for safety, you deserve neither. I know. Um, That's that's strong. Now, we have two-minute drill, and I want to get this in because I think it's a very important economic domestic issue that all Americans are confronting. Bloomberg did a really great piece of journalism and they they price cost everything. And the American people right now are getting robbed of 20 percent of their income since Biden has been president. This is Bloomberg. This is not, uh, you know, somewhere you could say, oh, this is just crazy, uh, you know, conservative, nutso, this and that. This is Bloomberg, which does not tilt right at all. Uh, center left at best, but probably hard left to be true. It tells me they want to take Biden down. So. The average family of four people before Biden became president, right before, could spend about, let's see, a couple hundred dollars a week for food. And you'd eat well and everybody would be in pretty good shape. Now, that is over $315 a week. That's 32% there. You look at any single and that's why when I hear this stuff like inflation is up five percent, give me a break. I mean, everything's up twenty five and thirty and forty two percent in some cases. Housing, for example, this is robbing the American people of the ability to own a home. The rents that people are paying that can't afford to own a home are just exorbitant. It's robbing the American people of the American dream. Your thoughts. Oh, man. look, here, here's the deal. I mean, you and I and the American people in general are just stupid. I mean, yeah. we don't realize how great Bidenomics is. I yeah. mean, the president pretty much said that the other day when he was speaking. You know, they just have to get the message out. Because oh, he said in 50 are, years well, they're going to celebrate him. Yeah, I, I, my God. I mean, he said that. I, it, unbelievable. Everything is so expensive. Interest rates are so high. Uh. When you buy a vehicle, when you buy a home, home purchasing is down. I, You know, with Thanksgiving, I got together with our family, an extended family, had 25 people there. The young folks with new babies in the family, they still, they're renting and the rents are really high and they just can't buy a home because Terrible. they are so darn expensive and the interest rates are so high. 30 seconds. Where we are. Look where we are now. This is the bottom line for people are thinking about for whom they're going to vote. And it's going to be Biden and it's going to be Trump. Look where we are now and look where we were three years ago. The difference, it's stark in in world affairs and foreign affairs and the strength of America, in the safety of our cities, in the cost of living in our economy, uh, at our borders, in every single parameter you, you use. You know, I said this the other day. I don't care if you like tr- President Trump or not. I do. But if you don't, it doesn't matter. Um, we're not hiring somebody to be a celebrity here. We need somebody that is going to bring this country back on track. Congressman Van Drew, great to visit with you, my friend. Thank you, as always, Harry. Take care. You do the same. United States Congressman Jeff Andrew from New Jersey's 2nd Congressional District will be back in just a few minutes. Don't go away. We told you it is a big news day, a busy news day on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Critics are calling it the funniest show on the radio. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I almost had it. 
All right, this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun. But are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total T. Nugenics Total T, it'll boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster has Testafin, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total T before you buy. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Now, get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword jimmy text now you'll get a bottle of nugenics thermo x the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast it is absolutely free your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword jimmy it's 231-231 and you enter the keyword jimmy texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages consent not required to purchase message and data rates may apply We are back. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, Harry Hurley filling in today, working with Michael and Joshua. So you know I'm in very good hands. And thanks, guys, for the opportunity to work with such professionals. I think a perfect little closer for this first half hour would be to talk about when you look at one side, the terrorist enemy, not only do they not care if they kill innocent people, they want to kill innocent people. Israel, on the other hand, the care that they go to not kill innocent people, like sending noise but not actual bombs an hour or more before they actually then bomb a building. So it's like, hey, here it is. Here's the report. Here's the sound. And that means get out of here for an hour or more. It's going to be gone. You know, we're coming back in an hour. It's such a disadvantage. And then you think about in our own country, Oakland City Council, with the pro-Palestinian commentary that that October 7th didn't happen. The terrorist attacks didn't happen. They say this. I saw them on the Fox News channel, people just like them, saying that that Israel killed their own people. They did, and, and others that say it just didn't happen at all. President Eisenhower, then General Eisenhower, during World War II in Germany, they said, General, do we do you want us to film this? And a very stern General Eisenhower, future President Eisenhower, said, yes, film all of it, because someday some son of a bitch is going to come forward and say that none of this ever happened. And there are Holocaust deniers. Imagine if they did not document the Holocaust. They would say it never happened. Look at the major universities in our country, Harvard, MIT, uh, to name a few, Cornell, Penn. You've got Harvard, MIT, Penn presidents that will be testifying before Congress, the House Committee on Education and Workforce, having hearings on the anti-Semitism. It is unfathomable what is happening, but yet it is there. Did I mention the squad? Now, the squad has a little bit of a split decision uh, today. Follow the Fox News Channel and Fox News Radio for updates there. But this is incredible. And that's why you have to document everything, because they will say and they are saying 
They're not letting decades go by and saying it. They're saying it in real time. We'll be back in just a little bit. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon sitting in today for Jimmy. I'm Harry Hurley with Michael and Joshua on the Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon Newsmaker Hotline is our friend Dr. Mark Siegel, Fox News medical contributor, professor of medicine, NYU Langone Medical Center, and the author of COVID, The Politics of Fear and the Power of Science. I'm going to come to that. But first, welcome, Dr. Siegel. How are you? Harry, always great to be with you. Great to be with you, sir. You're filling big shoes there. You're filling big. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the pressure, but we're trying to uh, just not break his show. If I don't break his show, I got out alive. But I can't with you because you're impeccable. Dr. Siegel, what is the um, what is the story with this uh, this Chinese uh, mystery respiratory ailment? What's up with this? Let's take a deep breath and realize that we haven't been able to uh, feel comfortable or confident with uh, public health information coming out of China for a long time. And that may seem like a joke because we obviously just had a ferocious pandemic that came out of China that nobody told us about that the World Health Organization said was a regional problem only in January 2020. At the time when Trump was putting on the uh, travel advisories, but it had already leaked to Europe and on into the United States throughout our communities. And and, and at that time, uh, Tony Fauci had told me that after 2003 SARS, they tried to build an international consortium of scientists that would communicate at a level that would prevent this very thing from happening, would overcome the opacity that's put in place by a totalitarian regime. But it didn't work. And how can it? Because scientists are under the thumb of the governments, wherever they are, and it didn't work. And so now when a new uh, situation comes out of China and the World Health Organization is reassuring us again, all of us are having flashbacks, Harry. Yeah. Even Jimmy Fallon somewhere is having a flashback. <laughs> but, but, but here's the thing, though. Having said all of that, there's an alternative explanation here to the idea that this is either a bioengineered virus or something that leaked out of a lab, or something that came from nature that's a new pathogen, because in China and Asia, uh, people live very close together, and they live close to animals, and and as has been well documented, they also may eat exotic animals raw. But all of that aside, I think there's an alternative explanation here, which is that China and the Netherlands both are late late at relieving Lockdowns. That lockdown strategy, that shutdown strategy, that closure sh- strategy was in place in China all the way till the end of 2022 and all the way till February or even into the spring in Netherlands of 2022 when we wow. had already moved past that policy. Now, that's why last year at this time we had the same issue of a flood of respiratory viruses that, they're, that both of these countries are having now. Why? Would they ha- Why does this happen? Because your immune system isn't used to seeing these viruses. If you've, been seg- if you've been isolated from other people, if you're not communing the way you were, we get exposed to viruses every single day. Our children, too, especially our children do, the way they play together when they're, when they're not being restricted. And so the immune system is alert to viruses and it reacts fast. But now, in those two countries, 
with with the with the basically the uh, lockdowns removed, all the shutdowns removed, uh, they're more susceptible to getting hit with a virus they haven't seen in a while, and the immune system pauses before reacting. That's one explanation. Another explanation is that we're seeing a rampant outbreak of something called mycoplasma, which is an atypical bacteria that in China, a very interesting investigation in the journal Nature yesterday, uncovered that they've been giving a lot of Z-packs out to, to kids. And so they have a lot of resistance to this bacteria. And so because of the resistance, it becomes more aggressive and you end up with sicker kids and they end up in the hospital. I think it's a combination of all of that. I don't think so far that it's a new bug. Good to know. And I appreciate the, the analysis on that, because if it is something that's new, you think about how just travel alone, China not telling the world about what they had experienced with COVID-19 kept the world from doing what it would have done. And then COVID-19, as we know, uh, became what it became. The author of COVID, The Politics of Fear and the Power of Science, Dr. Mark Siegel, on the Newsmaker Hotline of the Jimmy Fallon Fox Across America program. And I have to ask you, because the power of science, the last four words of your great book, your best-selling book, we kept being told by, by uh, Dr. Fauci and others that follow the science, follow the science. But they didn't follow the science. The lockdowns were wrong, as you outlined, kept it around longer than it would have. They didn't believe in, in herd immunity or anything normal, so they were locking everybody down, closing everything else up. And then you have a situation where the cruelest maybe of it all, obviously the elderly who died and others who were susceptible and were taken down by COVID-19, certainly tragic beyond beyond words, but taking the children out of school from in-classroom learning for such a long period of time, when we now find out, Dr. Siegel, all of the science said the kids should have gone to school. We now hear that we're set back decades because of social-emotional issues, learning that didn't take place, and so on. The power of science from your book, they didn't follow the science, did they? <coughs> well, correct, Harry. But let's start with the fact that the science was 1918 science to begin with. Question, does lockdowns, shutdowns, closures stop the spread of a respiratory virus? It was all based on what St. Louis did in 1918, where, where Max Skolkoff, who was the city health commissioner, did that. And there was some evidence that he at least delayed the, out, the outset of, a, of the second wave of the Spanish flu. But the big thing that, that, that nobody looked at from that regard is that coronaviruses are are smaller and they and they uh, they I shouldn't say they're smaller they're actually bigger but they ri they ride on smaller droplets meaning they can go farther they're, they're practically aerosolized as we learned later and Nebraska told me early in the game that they they were finding particles of virus in the air and on all kinds of surfaces so you can't superimpose a strategy intended for a different virus 100 years ago and just dogmatically adhere to it. And the other point is that as far as schools are concerned, there were studies in 2020 in Europe and Australia that I kept citing on the air on TV yep. saying that kids do better in schools than out of schools just 
from the virus point of view, because when you take kids out of school, what do they do? They spread virus in the community. And and with all of the with all of the idea that the left was supposedly attuned to socioeconomically disadvantaged neighborhoods, they actually weren't. Because if, because if you live in a building where everyone's on top of each other, guess what you're spreading? It's virus. So you take kids out of school, they don't get proper nutrition. They don't get seen by an eye doctor. They don't get evaluated for developmental issues. Maybe if, if you're living on a bunker somewhere and you own a huge house on a water where they can airlift in some, some special ed teacher, you know, I guess I'm thinking of uh, the former head of Microsoft, but you know, I, I said that for Jimmy Fallon, but, yeah. but for his <laughs> audience. But but look, you know, th- th- there was no reckoning with the idea that not only did school closures not decrease the spread of virus, maybe increased it. There was also, as you just pointed out, Harry, no reckoning with the idea of the collateral damage that caused. Yeah, the New York did. Times is now admitting that now, three years later, when I was saying it in in the early 2020. I mean, I don't want to point fingers, but I guess I just pointed fingers. Well, it was fair. I mean, it was a fair comment, Dr. Siegel, because they admit now what they would not admit then, and I think they knew better then. It's one thing if you were just ignorant and you didn't know. I think that th- this was just an agenda. It was a political agenda. And, look, I love teachers. I'm a former school board member, uh, but the unions got a hold of the Democrats, and they had the power, and they kept the kids out of school. It's pure politics. They never should have been out of school the length of time that they were. I, I agree in the beginning. We didn't know what the hell was going on. So you, you have to you know calibrate and perhaps even recalibrate. But they kept them out of school way, way long. And as you know, some, some kids can do very well with remote, remote learning, and some need that teacher contact. And, and kids really got hurt very, very bad. Here's one that I haven't heard you address, but I'm sure you have. I just don't have personal knowledge of it, Dr. Siegel. Do you sense that because of mistrust of being lied to, and we were lied to in many, many ways, and some of it wasn't lies but turned out to not be true. Remember, take the vaccine and you never have to worry about it ever again. But then it was, oh, no, take it because it will be less uh, of a a case if you do get infected. That I didn't really think anybody lied. We learn as we go. I'm okay with that. But I think there's mistrust in the vaccine. We see most people are not taking the vaccines anymore at all even ones that were compliant, including myself. I haven't taken one since the first booster. And what I'm getting at is, does this now affect things like people getting the flu vaccine? Because I know a lot of people that tell me now, I don't get that anymore either, but they used to. Do you see yeah, any drop-off? An enormous dro- it's causing an enormous drop-off in vaccine compliance, but you may yeah. not expect my answer here. It's not what you're going to be thinking I'm going to say. I think that that exact dynamic you talked about is what politicized the whole problem. And the problem wasn't only that dogmatic mandates were being thrown at us from one side. It's that a void was then created where that mistrust was filled with people who weren't experts that were also misinforming us. And that's what got me really upset because the fact is this is an evolution in vaccine technology. It's been around since the 1980s. 
I don't know that everyone should take it, but I do know that it should be a choice that you discuss with your doctor who understands vaccines. I've been studying vaccines for 15 years now and have written books on all of this. And, and the question that really matters the most is, which is more dangerous to you, the virus or the vaccine? What age group are you in? What are your risk factors? And it turns out, and this is definitely not being touted by the group that would derive the vaccines, that if you are under-vaccinated, your risks of long-term symptoms are higher, whether you're talking about brain fog or fatigue or, uh, or the heart or even the lungs. And so I'm more afraid of the virus than the vaccine. I look at it, the vaccine as a form of protection. I know there are side effects. I know what they are. I know how common they are. And I know how common the side effects are from the vaccines. And I think it needs to be a discussion. But before you enter that discussion, check your credentials at the door. And that's not to say, by the way, that anybody isn't entitled to an opinion. Anyone is. But one of the big tragedies of COVID is everyone suddenly thought they were a vaccine expert. Oh, yeah. And I, who wrote a book on fear, would say that anything you stick into your arm via a needle is going to make you afraid. Do not profit off of that fear. Well, I like that answer a lot, and I appreciate that answer, Dr. Siegel. And it reminds me of one of those experts, not when she was candidate for vice president, Kamala Harris. She said, I'm not taking that Trump vaccine. As a what? President Trump is in a white lab coat mixing beakers? Uh, I mean, that's absurd to say something like that. And then a short while later, she's advocating the vaccine that that that. It, so that was such blatant intellectual dishonesty. And I think it plays exactly to your book, author of COVID, author of COVID, the politics of fear and the power of science, your work there as the author of that. Uh, you can't one day say I'm not taking that Trump vaccine. And the next day, your vice president saying, take the vaccine. Who's, who, what credibility is there with that? That's a really good point. I, I had almost forgotten that point, and that's why I say the politicization runs yeah. both ways. I really, I remember nobody, the governor of New York. I'm not. I'm going to vet that vaccine myself. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that that <laughs> lack of support for for a revolutionary program. Oper, the the key thing about Operation Warp Speed was that it brought together public and private for the first time. It, well, not the first time. The Manhattan Project did that, right? But the yeah. but the point is, we don't need the over politicization of that. We didn't need the magnification of who's doing it, what, when, or why. That's just pure politics. And that's what we've seen out of this administration all the way. I mean, from the border to to the Middle East, to Ukraine, to the economy. I mean, President Biden wants you to think the economy's great. Well, I know. N- He's going to say it today. It's not. I know. He's going to say it today, that Bidenomics is working. Final minute, I I trust the um, the delivery system I, I learned from you very, very well that the RNA technology was 10 years in the making. And I remember doing an interview with you and you said we were waiting for the opportunity to be able to use it. And and COVID-19 was the first opportunity to load that thing. And it worked, didn't it? I think it did. Uh, again, you know, the question is, are there better vehicles? I mean, why did the Novavax vaccine not get more play? Yeah. There's a lot of questions about that. It's also an excellent technology. It's very similar to the one we use for the shingle shot, which which I give out every day. Uh, but I think the RNA technology worked. I, I think people need to understand 
that one of the bits of misinformation was about preventing spread. That's not the kind of vaccine it is. The vaccine gets in there and it and it causes an outpouring of antibodies and, and T, T, T cells, which is another immune cell. That helps you with the virus once it's already into your body. It doesn't prevent you from entering your body. And just because initial studies showed some effect on that, that was over-messaged dramatically and led to all the mandates. That's what Harry is talking about now when he's talking about how it caused a public distrust. If somebody claims something and they force you to do it under that claim at the risk of losing your job, and that claim ends up being untrue, and then they still keep that threat in there, it's hard to trust them afterwards. I'm here to tell you which vaccines to take and which not. Dr. Siegel, great to visit with you as always. Harry, always wonderful. Thank you. Take care. I'll tell you what, impressive man. We will be right back. Told you it's a busy news day. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You're riding around with America's cabbie. Taxi! Taxi! You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. The 888-788-9910 phone lines are open. We're going to prove it right now. Michael is in Greenville, South Carolina. Michael, I welcome you to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Harry, you're doing a great job, buddy. And isn't Dr. Siegel fantastic? Holy cow, he's such a great guy. Terrific, Michael. I tell you, so you hear, uh, you know, historically, if the CDC, the FDA, those kind of organizations said something, man, it was gospel. You could you could really bank on it. But now I hear, oh, there's this new virus coming out of China. Joe and Hunter have been getting money from China. <laughs> and I hate that I don't trust anything coming out of the CDC, FDA, Fauci, any of those people, because it's an election year next year, Harry. Oh, yeah. oh it's going to be too dangerous to vote. Oh, we're going to have to do more mail-in ballots and bring back masking and all that. I don't trust any of it. They're all lying. And I hate that I feel that way, Harry, but that's the way I feel about it. Well, guess what, Michael? You're not alone. When you get lied to again and again and again, and that's what this Biden administration does. They are, they are liars who lie about lying. There's no reason for you not to feel the way, the way that you do. And I thank you so much yeah. for your call. I wish we had more time, and I hope we have the opportunity to speak again someday. And I thank you for the kind remarks, Michael, that you made. But that's where we're at with that. You, you, you know that they're going to do everything they can. They change the voting rules when they can. Every advantage that they can grasp they will go after. No question about it, Michael. We'll be right back. Don't go away. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Harry Hurley filling in today for Jimmy with Michael and with Joshua. And without delay, we go to the Jimmy Fallon Fox Across America hotline to Griff Jenkins, Fox News national correspondent. You can follow him, his hashtag at Griff Jenkins on Twitter, his handle. And, uh, well, I guess X, formerly Twitter. And we have a lot to go through with Griff. It's a busy news day for Griff, for sure. Welcome back, my friend. It is 
is a busy news day indeed, and it is always an honor and a privilege to join the pride of South Jersey. Harry, how are you doing, my friend? And you know, we're about to talk about the border, and a visit to Mayorkas is making to the border today, and it is coming at a time when it is so important that you and I are talking about this and that Americans are listening because people have said, oh, the border is out of thing now. All the news is in Israel. Let me tell you, the border is yet again at a point where it's never been this bad. I mean, it's how many thousands a day, Griff? How many? You know, let me go and look at – so it's gotten so bad that officials within the CBP want this information out there. I'm no yeah. great reporter, Harry. I'm just a diligent dog on a bone, and over the years, myself and, and Bill Malusian, who's done great reporting, and others, we've started to get these numbers from the the, the officials at headquarters, and I can tell you – I give you exact number here. In the last 24 hours, there was nearly 9,200 encounters across the entire southwest border, 9,169. In just the Tucson sector alone out in Arizona, namely in the little town of Lukeville, which is a remote area adjacent to a, a, uh, a national uh, uh, you know, preserve there in the middle of nowhere. The cartels have found a soft spot. 2,760 encounters just in Tucson. In the Del Rio sector, nearly 2,200. It's just off the charts, man. And, you know, I was doing some hits early this morning, Harry. You may have seen for the Fox Friends first that in addition to Del Rio – and by the way, literally uh, as we speak, you've got Secretary Mayorkas heading down to meet with uh, the the sector chief, Juan Bernal, in Del Rio because Del Rio continues to be a ground zero uh, place. You've got the the chief, Bernal, putting out a note that in in the last two months, in less than two months actually, he says, agents have apprehended 21 convicted sex offenders trying to enter the country in just that sector alone, their convictions for child rape, sexual assault, and sodomy. It's just, it's gotten to a point that that there's no way the administration can ignore it. Even if their intention was to open the door and create a mass asylum process, and, and some suggest to change the politics and the political makeup of the country, you can't let this many bad actors in here and not suffer severe consequences. And that's you, not that's not what Griff Jenkins says, by the way. Right. This is the message repeated by countless border officials that I spend time with and cover. Griff Jenkins on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I have never been able to figure this one out. I knew in the beginning, look, it was their strategy. The border was open. They would say it's not open. People would say it's a crisis. They would say it's not a crisis. They would blame the previous administration, bad policies. Well, you can't do that after three, you know, going on four years now. That's just not intellectually honest. It's not credible anywhere. And they've stuck with this story that the border is not a crisis that the border is secure, literally people laughing in their faces uh, about something that's not funny in, in terms of how the opposite is true. How come they keep sticking to this story? Well, you're so right. And not only that, Harry, I almost choked on the coffee I was drinking when I listened to uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre at the White House on one specific day. I need to look up the exact date because I often cite this. I was 
flabbergasted. I, there's not even an adjective for the emotion that, of disbelief that I experienced when she said, quote, this administration, this president has done more to secure the border than any president in history. I know. And I was like, what are you talking about? No one's done more damage to it. And that's not a opinion. The numbers and the facts show that from the number of migrants that drowned and have lost their lives. They died trying to get here because they saw the wide open border. And in fact, in the in the 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 hits we were doing today, uh, a, a guy that covers the border, he's actually Mexican. He lives in Mexico. Auden Cabello that constantly posts on on Twitter on X uh, lots of videos, and he just posted yesterday the the train video. Laura Ingram yes. had him on last night. I was using a soundbite where literally Cabello said that the migrants tell him that President Biden invited them. And that they felt that the president told them they were going to help them. That's why they're coming. And when he asked him about Trump, he said, oh, no, no, no. He was very strict and we weren't going to come under him just to get deported. And so the fact that the, the change in policies that brought him here matched with the absolute lack of any consequence for crossing illegally – equals a recipe for huge numbers. Yeah, they are they are very consistent with their messaging even when vast majorities of the American people uh feel opposite of what they're saying. They don't change. For example, the president in Colorado today will tout Bidenomics. Bidenomics has a popularity rating right now an approval rating of 27%. So they are tone deaf, but I got to give them credit. They stick to their message, but their message is not well received, and that's usually elected officials, especially in an election year, because we are less than a year from November 5th, 2024. If something was only 27 percent positive approval, you'd run from that, but they don't. And here's another example. Uh, I think they've handled the the issue with uh, the, the ceasefire and other, I've been watching you, Griff, this morning. Those just joining Jimmy's program, Fox Across America, with Jimmy Fallon. Griff Jenkins is our guest on the Jimmy Fallon Newsmaker Hotline uh, from the Fox News Channel, Fox News National Correspondent. I've been watching you since three o'clock this morning, doing the hits you've been <laughs> doing, and you also, because you know that's what time I'm up doing our show. Uh, I, I also know you've been reporting on the um, the current ceasefire. We're not only in the last day of the sixth day, which is already extended, as you know, we're in the final hours. And I understand that a sixth group of hostages is expected to be freed. What can you tell us? Well, you know, nothing just yet other than exactly what you are on top of it, uh, because you also have been up well before the sun. And that is we expect uh, another group, but it's it's turned down, uh, turned out to be uh, a kind of methodical process. And clearly, you know, if you step back uh, just from a little bit of a distance, you know, the 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 Israeli spokesman, the IDF spokesman that, that come on our air regularly, uh, make no bones about knowing that Hamas is using this opportunity to uh, regroup, to yep. buy time, yep. uh, because they know that the IDF is going to go right back into their their two-pronged uh, uh, goal in this, which is to get the hostages back and eradicate 
Hamas. And so we did, we we uh, I believe Fox has uh, been told that the Israelis have been notified of the list. We're we're waiting to see how this thing plays out. It shouldn't be too much longer because they're uh, ahead of us by a number of hours here. Yeah. And we've been seeing these things uh, around 8, 9 o'clock at night, the actual uh, exchanges happening in Israel time. And so, you know, it's 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 uh, one of the, the Israeli uh, family members was on Fox over the weekend, and, and I think uh, she put it best. She said, you know, it's so bittersweet to get your loved ones back, knowing that other families just like mine are waiting anxiously to find out if their loved one will make the next list. And, you know, to that point, we know that the list is going to stop coming and Israel wants to get back in there. And I think I was doing a little uh, uh, map illustrating uh, over the weekend anchoring, talking about how I think you're going to start hearing a lot more about uh, the southern part of the Gaza Strip, particularly the largest city there, Han Yunus. In the, in the tunnel system they have there where they believe many of the hostages have been held and where they think that one of the leaders of Hamas, Yahya Sinwar, who is believed to also be the mastermind of the October 7th attacks, Israel is very eager to get in there and try and go after him because they believe he and his cronies are dug in. Right now in real time while visiting with Griff Jenkins, Fox News Channel is reporting that the hostages have been transferred to Israeli territory, and they are showing all of these uh, matching vans with the blue emergency lights uh, flashing as we speak. That's right now happening in real time. Is there, Griff, is there any conventional wisdom on why to date, and we don't know yet in, in this group of hostages that are being freed, but as of right now with what we know, exactly one Israeli American has been freed. In other words, other than that, no Americans. Would seem to me that that's on purpose. Well, you wonder. You really do wonder. And uh, thank goodness we did get that four-year-old Abigail yeah. Don being held. I mean, you know, it's worth noting the the savagery and despicable depravity of which uh, these terrorists would stoop to take a four-year-old child uh, hostage, let alone the other women and children. And now we've reportedly got uh, – they've got a 10-month-old baby. Um, yeah. And, and so, so that's worth noting. But we, we were anxiously hoping that, in, that, that uh, Abigail Edan would be in the first group, uh, then the second group, and then finally in the third group. And remember, after the in the second day, uh, just as we were going into the weekend, there was that delay because Hamas was was accusing Israel of violating the terms of the agreement. And we learned then that President Biden did do some behind-the-scenes diplomacy, particularly with the emir of Qatar, as the Qatari negotiators were on the ground uh, meeting with Israeli and Hamas representatives. And so it's, it's, it is, I think, noteworthy, let's use that word, that President Biden has obviously tried to engage uh, to the best of his ability to produce positive results, and yet only one of the expected 10 or more American-Israeli uh, hostages have gotten out. 
Griff, fair comment. We have two minutes, and I've got to get this in. I want to say I respect his service. I'm not a fan, though. And I'm talking about Admiral Kirby, who said, and I quote, and Fox News reporting will back me up on this quote that it comes from Admiral Kirby. Quote, there's no indication at all that Hamas is trying to use leverage or something to keep Americans from getting out. I don't believe that, by the way, but we can't just assume that Hamas has ready access to everybody in a moment's notice or that all of the Americans are being held by Hamas. Now, unless that's just subterfuge and there's certain things they just can't say right now, I always want to be fair and leave, you know, some budge room here. But that means they don't even know who has our hostages. Griff, he just said it. <laughs> well, hey, listen, I, I, I will say, uh, you know, I, having been cut from the cloth of, of, of Tony Snow and the great late Tony Snow, yeah. that there was a mentor and taught me quite a lot. And I got to see a lot of behind the scenes that, that nobody ever gets to see when he was George W. Bush's press secretary and the challenges he had in, in the, the crisis of the, of the day that I do uh, extend the, the appreciation for, for Admiral Kirby because he's good at what he does. God knows they've got disasters over there looking at you, Corinne Jean-Pierre, and handling these things. And I think that, you know, there are uh, a lot of eyeballs to include Hamas eyeballs and people that are engaged in the game, if you will, yeah. that are listening to his words. And so if indeed, you know, a Palestinian, Palestinian Islamic group has has – uh, has him or someone else has him uh, in that mix of a mess. Maybe his language is is nuanced for a purpose that we don't know. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, and and I do appreciate he's willing to to engage and certainly come on Fox. He doesn't. I think I think that's I think Fox. that's very fair. I really do think that's that comment you just made is very fair. They don't want to get any Americans or any hostages killed, so I, I will give that budge room uh, in 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 agreement with your assessment on that. Griffin, as always, I appreciate the opportunity to spend with you. Harry, it's great to be with you. One last thing for yep. 10 seconds, and that is watch this meeting going back to the border of Secretary Mayorkas going down to Del Rio. The president and Secretary Mayorkas, nobody ever apologized for accusing that horse patrol unit in Del Rio of whipping those Haitians, but yet the CBP report uh, in July of 2022 proved that there was nobody whipped. True. We'll see if this opportunity will prove out that the secretary apologizes to them once and for all. I, I say uh, uh, H-E double hockey sticks, no, he will we'll not. We'll see. All right, I hope he does. He should. Griff, he great should. to be with you. Great to be with you. See you, buddy. See you, my friend. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Busy news day. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. The show not afraid to call out both sides of the aisle. He's the other side's worst nightmare. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Harry filling in today. With Michael and Joshua. Great to be here on a very busy news day and much more straight ahead. So stay with us coming up right after the bottom of the hour break. United States Congressman Pat Fallon, the distinguished gentleman from Texas's fourth congressional district, member of the House Armed Services Committee, member of the all important House Oversight and Reform Committee. And we'll be talking about uh, Hunter Biden and uh, will he testify? Uh, will he defy? He wants a public hearing. They want the the customary internal 
first and then a public hearing second. Uh, and that's straight from the chairman uh, himself of the committee. We have a lot to talk about with Congressman Fallon. I have a closing thought, though, following the interview with Griff Jenkins and Hamas. Michael Goodwin has from The New York Post. He's an incredible writer, also a, a really great presenter when he's visiting on the various uh, Fox platforms. Uh, Michael wrote, Biden must be reminded Hamas is a terrorist group as he panders to Muslims in secret, publicly backs Israel. So he, the, the reason that Biden and Congressman Van Drew talked about it earlier in the program today, the reason that he's so wobbly on all this is because he has such a pushback from the radical fringe. You know, he always comes out and they say in the Fox News Channel is reporting it today. They say he's going to start pushing this MAGA thing again. He just thinks that's a winning thing to trash half of America. It's so stupid. I don't understand why they keep staying on losing strategies like Bidenomics or the border is uh, secure or, uh, you know, MAGA trash half the country. Didn't he learn from Hillary Clinton? when she called half the country a basket full of deplorables. But Goodwin's column about that President Biden must be reminded that Hamas is a terrorist group is because he panders to the radical fringe element that is extremely anti-Israel. There's no mistaking it if you're willing to embrace the truth on these points. We need to go away for just a little bit. Please don't go away. Much more. Important content, including Congressman Pat Fallon, coming up in just a few minutes. With Michael and Joshua, I'm Harry, and this is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Harry Hurley filling in today with Michael and Joshua. And on the Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon Newsmaker Hotline is United States Congressman Pat Fallon, the distinguished gentleman from Texas's 4th Congressional District, serves on extremely important House committees, the House Armed Services Committee and the House Oversight and Reform Committee. We're going to get to the House Oversight and Reform Committee and Hunter Biden and all that coming up in just a couple of minutes. But I want to open and give Congressman Fallon an opportunity to talk about how he feels uh, the administration is handling this whole issue, the ceasefire, Hamas, the the hostages and everything. Congressman Fallon, honor to interview you again, sir. Oh, thank you, sir. You're a great American to me. I appreciate the, uh, the time. Great to be with you. Now, I want to get your take, Congressman, on – Everything to date in terms of how you feel the Biden administration has handled all of this. What Joe Biden is doing again, and I hate to say this because if he gets something right, I'm going to say he gets it right. He just gets so much of it wrong. I know. You should have, he, should have, he should have come out hard and strong and said this is a time for choosing. I can hear Reagan saying this. I can hear Donald Trump saying this. This is a time for choosing whether you want law, order, and democracies and uh, and nations that have legitimacy with their government, or do you want authoritarianism and terror? Because Israel got attacked. It was their 9-11. They lost 1,400 innocent civilians, which would be equivalent to 
30, 40,000 Americans, and there were calls in the administration for a truce. Would we have accepted a truce in, on September 12, 2001, there after you go. we got attacked? No, go. of course not. So just be, just come out. You can't have it both ways, Joe. He's sitting there just like CNN. Every day I read CNN because I want to know what the opposition's saying, right? So they're always – now they're like the Hamas network. Okay, I'm sorry that sometimes the Palestinians are harmed and killed, but Israel does not target them purposely and deliberately. In fact, they take great care not to harm innocents. Hamas is the exact opposite. They take great care to murder the innocent. So Bingo. we have good versus evil, and I want the president of the United States to make it crystal clear which side he's on. And, and Congressman Fallon, I have to say, I want to support my president whenever I can, but I, I would sign on to every word that you just said, and I've said similar to what you just said uh, just a little while ago with your colleague, Congressman Van Drew. I believe Iran is running the show. They funded this, and we funded them. They trained them. Uh, it's their plan. And I believe the fact that there is only one Israeli-American that's been released is a byproduct of our president's weakness and that Iran is running the show and they're, they're purposely keeping the Americans, who, who we now find out from hostages that have been freed, they're living on slim pickings, rice, bread, sleeping on chairs and benches. This is not a Trump hotel that they're sleeping in, Congressman. No, they're not at all. And you know what else? Uh, Harry, the, uh, the oil exports, right? Um, before Joe Biden took office, the last year that President Trump was in office, Iran made about $7 billion, give or take. It was 7 or $8 billion yeah. on uh, oil revenue. And last year, it was something like $42 billion. It was 500-plus percent up. Wow. That, you can business, fund a business lot is of good. Terror. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we've got to put our foot down and not – let's stop enabling them, okay, number one. And then call, call it for what it is, evil and it's terror, and it's not in the United States' best interest. And if it's Israel this time, it'll be us next time. They're literally standing in the way. And, I, I, again, you've got the president and you've got the Democrats, many of them, not all, but many of them are trying to play both sides. Let's not do that. Let's show the world where we stand. In fact, let's talk about brass tacks. We, we, we passed a bill out of the House to fund, to give $14 billion to Israel to help them defend themselves. And Chuck Schumer killed it. Why? Yeah, why? Why? That's, that's playing politics. No doubt. I, I've noticed, too, and True, we, um, we, 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 Congressman, we heard people say in the beginning, oh, no, we can keep our attention on Ukraine and Russia, because obviously we're in a proxy war there with China. Uh, we're with Ukraine. China's with Russia. Obviously, Afghanistan was, it was a debacle times, you know, on steroids times infinity. And now we see what's happening here. Uh, with the weakness being displayed by our president with um, Hamas and and uh, and Israel. And, of course, Hezbollah is in there and, and Houthis. There's a lot, a lot on the table. You don't hear much about Ukraine these days. How's that all going? Exactly. You know, okay, so, again, I like to take sometimes complicated esoteric topics and make them as digestible as possible. I don't want you, Ukraine to lose. I don't want no. Putin to win. Right. Okay, That's, having said that couple things. One, it costs about $3 billion a month to keep the Ukrainians in the fight. All right. So they kicked off in February of last year. So roughly speaking, we're talking about 20 months. Give or take. And, and are we talking $3 billion, Congressman Fallon, for a stalemate? 
Yeah, right now. Not, not to win. Yeah. See, my I mean, theory has been from the beginning, we've given them enough not to lose. We didn't give them enough early on to win. So what what are we going to do? Stay at this a tie? It's going to be like the, the 8,963rd inning of a 10,000-inning game. I mean, we should help them win, shouldn't we? Not tie. Well, not only that, but so piggybacking on that, before the war kicked off, deterrents work, and deterrents are a lot cheaper. One of the four-star generals I talked to once said, you know what's expensive, Pat? War. You know what's even more expensive than war? Losing one. There you go. So you want to prevent it in the first place. And Joe Biden dragged his feet. I will say the Republicans and Democrats on the Hill got it right, where we it was basically bipartisan support saying um, that, you know what we need to do? We need to uh, deter them and make sure that Putin thinks twice about invading in the first place. There you go. Because if he doesn't invade in the first place, so that's what that's a porcupine strategy. That's and and by the way, Congressman, this I think is very important. I'm very big, and I know you are too. I like to lay down uh, patient zero markers. Putin did not invade Ukraine during the four years of my former boss, President Trump's presidency. It never happened, and it was never going to happen. Lickety split. Biden completely bungles Afghanistan. Then I, I, I think a lot of people forget this, not you. Biden said, oh, let's, a small incursion. You know, I'd be OK with a small incursion. Well, Putin took that and he ran with it. And I, I truly believe that, again, it was Biden projecting utter weakness that emboldened Putin to attack. You know what I'd love to see in October of next year when we have a presidential debate to see President Trump look at Joe Biden and say, Here's the facts, and here's some inconvenient truths to use some of your terminology. In 2008, Putin stole two provinces from Georgia under President George W. Bush. In 2014, under your former boss, he took all of Crimea. And then in 2022, he invaded full-scale invasion of Ukraine. What happened from 2017 to 2021 under my four years? Nothing. You know why? Because I looked him in the eye. Because I asked President Trump this one-on-one directly. I asked this exact question. Why do you think he didn't do anything in the four years? And he said, one, I told him specifically, in no uncertain terms, Vladimir, do not invade Ukraine. You do not want to get me angry. You do not want to see what will happen. He said that to him. He actually made a slight joke and said, I know you got the Iron Dome in Moscow. I'm going to lock it off and come for you, Vlad. I don't want to have to do that. You know, he kind of winked. He said, Pat, I think he believed me like 5%. But then he said, then if, that, if he had invaded Ukraine, I would have unleashed the American energy sector, the oil and gas market because it's a global commodity. And I would have depressed the price of oil to such a degree that would have bankrupted Russia. They couldn't have funded the war. That's a very good answer. And yeah. Putin knew that, so he didn't do it. Correct. Absolutely uh, correct. You are listening to United States Congressman Pat Fallon on the Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon program. On December 13th, allegedly, first son Hunter Biden is scheduled to appear before your House Oversight Committee uh, he's playing games right now. Oh, I want a public hearing. They well know. Abby Lowell knows. Hunter Biden knows. They know you do the behind-the-scenes thing first. A public hearing, if there's one, that's next. Uh, so he wants to act like they're going to cooperate. Do you think that they'll go the route of if it's not a public hearing, which they know it's not going to be, that's why they're offering it, uh, that he won't show? I mean, he will just defy a lawful congressional subpoena. I think 
they're setting that up because let's be really clear here. So they got a paid mouthpiece in Jamie Raskin. He's yeah. the ranking member from Maryland. And he has said so many things that were false. Oh, he's terrible. So whether or not he, you know, you, would, did he know he was saying they were false? Because I think he, that, because if you do, that's called a lie. Yeah. Because sometimes when he gets things wrong, he never recants because that's not his role. His role is to be the bulldog, right? Yep. The, the, the junkyard dog. Rah, 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 rah. So we went, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> and he said, how dare these Republicans not give him a public hearing? It's a shame. Blah, 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 blah. Problem for Jamie Raskin is when he was in the majority, and they wanted Steve Bannon to sit for a deposition instead of a public hearing. It's yeah. called the process. There you That's go. how we do things. There's yeah. nothing uh, – it's very – actually, we're talking about regular order. Everybody keeps talking about what Congress should do, the things we've done in a, uh, in a very standard and uh, format, formulaic, formulaic way so people can uh, understand the process. We have a deposition, particularly when it's something this important and this big and it's got a high-profile person, the president's son. You do a deposition behind closed doors, and then you have the public hearing. They don't want the public hearing because – can I? do we have a little bit of time to say, I don't know, some of the questions that I'd like to ask Hunter Biden, Gary? Sure, we do. We've got about four minutes. Okay, great. I would like to ask Hunter Biden, why did he and his firm take in $24 million of all foreign money? What services did they provide? What goods were they selling? Why did Elena Batarina, the former uh, – the, the wife of the former – Moscow mayor, who was one of the American ambassadors, uh, American ambassador had singled out as the poster child for corruption. Why did she pay him $3.3 million? And then a few months later, had dinner with his then vice president father. What did he do for her? How about Kenneth Rashikov and Kareem Mazimov? Mazimov is in jail right now, and his right-hand man was Rashikov. Rashikov wired Hunter $142,300. And then the very next day, bought a Porsche in New Jersey for yep. $142,300. Yeah. Same money. What did he do for him? What did he, because his business partner didn't know it, uh, that they had even had a relationship. And then where did uh, they both have dinner? Rajakhev and Mazamov? Uh, with Hunter Biden's dad, the vice president, a few months later. Ben Pazarski and Mikolo Zolchevsky. Zolchevsky's the CEO of Burisma. They pay him and his business partner, Devin Archer, $3.5 million. What uh, experience did he have in energy? prior to this date. Why would they pay him that much money? And then why did Vedem Pazarski then have dinner with who? His then vice president father. Uh, I could go on and on and on. Does he really want to answer those questions in front of God and country? I don't think he does. Well, he's he's going to have to at some point. You cannot just remember, nobody used to go to jail. It used to just be very frustrating. But the Democrats set the standard now. You defy a congressional subpoena. You go to jail now. You get charged in some uh, friendly court of, uh, you know, of, of their choosing, and, and th- that's what they do now. Uh, you just pose some of the questions that I've been begging to be asked. The Democrat media won't do it, of course, their, their Biden uh, protection program. Those are the questions that have to be asked. Why the 100 or 200-plus shell companies how does this money move around like this? Why does it go into even little grandchildren? I don't like talking about the kids, but they're putting money in the kids' name. Uh, all this stuff that, that now your committee has done such a great job and, and really having to work so hard. The other side, just it just comes to them. You guys had to work really hard to get all this, and it takes time. These questions, they are devastating, aren't they? And uh, at a couple, like about a month ago, we had issued subpoenas eight times for bank records. All eight times we found more foreign yep. money. Why so 
so many shell companies, Hunter, and who's the big guy? Uh, how about on that WhatsApp message when you told the, your Chinese associate that you were sitting right there with your dad? Was your dad really there, or were you just lying to your Chinese business associate? And if you're saying your dad wasn't there, were you will you be uh, willing to share your geolocations for that day? Will you waive your right to privacy on that? Or will your father, so you can definitively prove that you were not together that day? They're not going to do that because they were together that day. What about your message to your daughter saying that you're you wish uh, you wish her well because you have to give fifty percent of your salary to your father. Are those like are you lying to your daughter or did you just get caught? Final minute, Congressman Fallon. What happens to Hunter Biden if he defies a lawful congressional subpoena? You go to the judge. I don't I don't think we have we can have double standards. I think we need to treat everybody equally. I thought that we had equal protection under the law. It was one of the bases of our our government. It was constitutional. Uh, if you defy, then you should go to the jug, period. End of story, full stop. Congressman Fallon, great to be with you. Thanks, Eric. God bless you. Take care. You're doing great you, work. Thank you. Appreciate that. I'm going to remember that quote for a long time. What happens to Hunter Biden? I hear myself repeating that often now. What happens to Hunter Biden if he defies a lawful congressional subpoena? No hesitation. He goes to the jug. Oh, my gosh. You can't. You just can't ask for better than that. We'll be back. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon with Michael and Josh. I'm Harry Hurley. Great to be here today. Great to fill in. For the great Jimmy Fallon, and this one, we've we've just we've got we've got to talk about this. I mean, when you um, when you look at what's what's going on right now in in so many different areas, it, it is just remarkable uh, with the um, the spin, with the lies, with the half truths, just extraordinary. Uh, if you were just with us, and if you missed some of it, please catch it on Jimmy's podcast. Congressman Pat Fallon, and I know that that he's got a great rapport with Jimmy and with the Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon program, just tells it like it is in a world that's living it like it isn't. I mean, just such great content. He posed the questions that should have been asked Years ago, what kind of cottage industry do you actually create that earns tens of millions of dollars, is freely transferred electronically around the world when provocation is made? If it hasn't come fast enough, it it immediately follows when there is a need. And all this is documented by the House Oversight Committee. Chairman Comer and all the members, they've worked incredibly hard. When when is that ever when is that ever done? Where I think there's 18 million but many have said numbers beyond that, but they're willing to to confirm at least 18 million. I believe that's the number. Might even be higher. And like anything else, if you sell something, you maybe you make widgets you make doors 
whatever you do, you remodel bathrooms, you you do a job, you get paid a fair price. Here, this money comes to the unqualified for all this stuff. Hunter Biden's no energy expert. All these different things. I just I just don't understand it. And finally, if December 13th comes and doesn't go without him testifying, we're going to start. We'll get answers, even if, if it's behind the scenes. Much more straight ahead. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Thank you. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, host of Fox Across America, uh, is out today. My name is Harry Hurley, filling in today with Michael and with Joshua. Jimmy is a professional stand-up comedian, as you know, commentator, author uh, on Fox News Radio, the daily Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon program, a regular contributor all over the Fox News Channel and Fox Nation platform. Honor to fill in for Jimmy, uh, who I have to say is one of the hardest working people that I've seen in our industry in in quite a long time. This um, promotion that I'm about to do is earned. It's important, and it could not come at a more perfect opportune moment because it's exactly the topic that we're going to be talking about this segment on Jimmy's program. And it is the fact that we can confirm an exclusive Jesse Waters primetime tonight. That's 8 p.m. You know that, but I'm going to tell you 8 p.m. Eastern time tonight. Jesse has landed an exclusive interview with nine-year-old Holden Armenta. He's the little boy. If I said you seen that little boy, half his faint face is painted black and half his face is painted red. He's wearing a headdress and he is wearing a Kansas City Chiefs jersey. And I've looked at this young boy through the makeup. I can't see how tall he is because every picture I've ever seen is about halfway up. But if I had to place, I'd say he looks to me to be somewhere between 8 to 12 years old. And I've been settling on 10 years old, and now I find out definitively he's 9 years old. So it was pretty uh, evident that he's a very young boy, just 9 years old, falsely smeared by Deadspin for what they called wearing blackface. And let me tell you, there's, there's a difference between getting something wrong, which we all do, whether you ever admit it publicly or you admit it to yourself or if you're not able to admit it, we all make mistakes, big and small. This isn't a mistake. When you put a picture that is from the profile only and you show just a black face and it's clear that it's black makeup and you do not show that this is face paint for a young boy who obviously loves the Kansas City Chiefs and has the whole getup, the headdress, has the Chiefs jersey, has the, 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 the war paint, if you will. And now we find out from his mom that he is Native American. So this uh, alleged journalist smears this little boy. They don't even say he's a little boy. Most people reading it, I would presume would believe that this was would be an adult of some kind because it doesn't say that it's an innocent nine-year-old child. It's so wrong at so many levels, and especially to say in two, how, it's rare that someone, two for at one time, offends two different 
ethnicities and it wasn't worded exactly like that but that's the that's the meaning of what was written and this is not a case of wearing blackface we know examples of that and it seems that if you're a democrat you get away with it and if you're not you know you get you get canceled no matter how many years ago it might have been this isn't that this this is a football fan at the youngest age and I think it's despicable. I think it's absolutely rotten to write this the way that they did. I guess this person hasn't heard of the name Nicholas Sandman because Jesse had one of the greatest lines I've heard when on the uh, five someone said something like, yeah, they ought to just bring him back to a game and give him a piece of pizza. And uh, Jesse Waters said, oh, no, he's going to get a lot more than a piece of pizza when he's done. Jesse said he's not going to have to uh, have a college fund. I mean, this is just terrible. And I can't wait for this interview. Uh, His father, Bubba, we also have confirmed through Jesse's team to Michael and Joshua to me so that I could share with you that his father, Bubba, will also join the interview. So it's a very timely topic, and it is the first interview of its kind. Tonight, 8 p.m., Jesse Waters, primetime. So let me just, I feathered in some of my editorial remarks with that. And I think most people, you don't have to be a dad to just know that that's just rotten. You you don't do that to a child. You can can mess a child up like that permanently. That is just wrong. And then some of the things that the writer wrote that also would lead you to believe that he's he's talking from the, the position of this being a an adult is he talks about all these adult like things talking about uh banning books and all this other stuff that this 9 year old boy you see this innocent face when you when you take the time like Fox News did and you show the boy from straight on and then you see exactly what the story is but if your only only vantage point, your only spectrum of observation was from the coverage, you you think, because you see the whole, the way they have it, you would think the entire face is painted this way. And you know when the truth is a problem and you only show half of it, you know there's an agenda. I saw some reporting very early this morning on the Fox News channel about this. And the mom, Shannon, said, quote, this has nothing to do with the NFL. Also, CBS showed him multiple times. And this is the photo people chose to blast to create division. He, meaning his her son, is Native American. Just stop already, Deadspin. And they were tagged and highlighted so that they would also see it. Unless Michael and Josh tell me that something has happened in the past few minutes, it's my understanding that they're staying with the story. They're not taking it down. They're not clarifying. You know, sometimes you you see uh, a correction, and when gutless organizations won't give you a correction, maybe they'll give you what they call a clarification. And I just don't want to admit that they're wrong about something. They should have learned something from CNN and some of the other actors in the Nicholas Sandman thing. 
you know, a big part of damages are constituted by what did you do you, if you make an innocent mistake? My belief is that you correct that mistake with as much, and I believe even more intensity than you did the report. They haven't done anything like that. No correction, no clarification. I don't think they, they to my knowledge, they've done anything to address. Now what do you do when you say that this is somebody that has done something terrible to both African Americans and Native Americans, and now you find out through his mom that he is a Native American? Nothing. Crickets. So I think this interview with uh, Jesse and with with Bubba and with nine-year-old, and I I just consider this young boy uh, just tremendously, at this point, courageous. I mean, to be nine years old and not have the life experience to even remotely understand the firestorm that was created here. Holden and his father, Bubba. And Bubba will join in on the interview. Should be very, very interesting. But just if you haven't had a chance to actually see the language, the language of this particular writer is something that you should take a look at because it's it is just horrifically bad. Why in the world, for a nine-year-old, would you approach it in this manner? And they've doubled down on it, basically. They're accusing a young Kansas City Chiefs fan of wearing racist blackface, despite photos showing him wearing team colors. Come on. And really trying to just gin up all kinds of divided feelings. You know, when you get into the business, you, you might remember the governor. He, and he was looking like he was on the ropes, but he got away with it in blackface from many, many years ago. And to compare this to that, or Jimmy Fallon, who did it years ago as acting, just wrong. You may or may not be aware of this. Wearing headdresses and war paint, that's been banned inside Arrowhead Stadium itself since 2020. This this was a Chiefs game, but not in Arrowhead Stadium. And you know there's been mounting pressure throughout the years. The Washington Redskins and former owner Snyder, they... they for years resisted changing the Redskins. I think that was just one of the dumbest things when you change a team to just Washington Football Club for a whole year. You got to change the name that fast. You can't even come up with a year, uh, with a name in a year. And then then the following season uh, to the present, they're now the Commanders, which I don't think anybody likes. I don't think their home uh, fans like that name. So to try to bring a small child and to report so dishonestly. We'll see what happens during this interview. You know Jesse. He's not afraid to ask the right questions. He's not afraid 
to ask tough questions, and I fully expect for him to say to Bubba, hey, are you suing these people? Are you suing them? And I'm sure they already have a lawyer. They should have a lawyer. And the reporter, I believe, Karen Phillips, is getting a lot of pushback for this bad image because whoever picked that image knew you had to know you're either very bad at what you do or you had to know that this was not accurate to report something from one angle and make that the totality when if you just showed him Everybody was, oh, okay, he's got the colors He's got the colors of the team on. But you see the profile. Notice they didn't shoot the red side of the profile. And you have to say, and I agree with anyone that has reported this, this is the targeting of a child. I really believe that. There's no hatred here to African Americans. There's no hatred to Native Americans, to believe this reporting. You have to believe that a Native American boy is prejudiced against Native Americans. No, not at all. So shame on this publication, shame on the writer, and shame on the way that they've handled themselves in the aftermath of it all. It's not going to get any easier or any better for them. We'll be back. This is... Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. The critics have spoken. I really appreciate fine art. You do? Yes. And this isn't it. Ho, 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 ho. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I'm with Michael and Joshua. My name is Harry Hurley. Filling in today for Jimmy. Honored to be here. And this one shouldn't surprise anyone. It shouldn't happen, but it shouldn't surprise anyone. Because if you think about how Pete Buttigieg, they called him Pothole Pete because in South Bend, Indiana, he couldn't fill the potholes. But somehow that qualified him to be Secretary of Transportation. You remember when there were the problems in East Palestine uh, and other times, he was just always left wanting and literally went away for months and no one even knew that he went away. And I'm not begrudging, uh, look, you're entitled to uh, to time off when, when you have a child, but no one knew he left. I mean, that's scary, actually. And he always seems to say the opposite that you would expect to hear. And when it's Alejandro Mayorkas, Homeland Security Secretary, no crisis at the border, and he goes on and on in ways that are exactly opposite of what we all know to be true. Or it's President Biden himself, whether it's today in Colorado or all the times that he has said it in the past about Bidenomics is working. And he usually yells when he when he says that it's working. And I almost can't say it without laughing. Recently, he said this with a straight face that in 50 years, the, the historians will be complimenting him about how well Bidenomics worked. This is, this is cognitive dissonance 
on steroids times infinity. Bidenomics is 27% favorable right now. That's all. It has an approval rating of 27% as we speak because it is truly abject failure and the exact opposite of the truth. Hence, I bring you to the latest example, Miguel Cardona, our Secretary of Education. He recently quoted President Reagan. Now, if you're going to quote the great, Rush would call him the Ronaldus Maximus, the great Ronald Reagan, you better get it right, or at least paraphrase it right. Here's what he said, and I think that really most people from both sides of the political aisle know President Reagan is not a fan of big government or anything like that. So rather than me talk about Miguel Cardona, why don't we have Miguel Cardona visit on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, Josh Cut 8. We're going to set up follow-up calls with every governor we met with to make sure we're available. Um, as uh, I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help. Um, there's, there are resources there. There's technical assistance there. And there's a playbook that could support the work you're doing. Well, the moment he said that, and I, I saw him say it, I thought, oh, my gosh, that's not what President Reagan said. I vividly remember it's one of those notable quotables that is in keeping with the Biden administration. They got it exactly 180 degrees wrong. Remember, tell a friend, you don't you don't do a 360. 360 gets you right back to where you started. The 180 degrees opposite. Cut nine, Josh. I think you all know that I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are I'm from the government and I'm here to help. And it got a great reaction. It, almost like when he was debating Mondale and he had had a wobbly first debate and he said that I will not make youth an inexperience of my opponent. I will not make age an issue in this campaign. My opponent's youth and inexperience, just terrific. It ended the age issue just like that. So, uh, Miguel Cardona, yep, what you said was exactly the opposite of what is true. And that's this administration in a case study in, in a capsule. When we come back, my friend, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, next. Welcome back. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, with Michael and Joshua. I'm Harry Hurley. Honored to fill in today for Jimmy, who you know will be back in the near future. It is my pleasure. I hope I don't hurt his reputation by calling him my friend, but we are friends, real friends, not fake friends. Governor Phil Murphy, the 56th governor of the state of New Jersey, the great state of New Jersey, former United States ambassador to Germany, and, and maybe just as importantly, husband to First Lady Tammy Murphy. Governor, how are you, my friend? Harry, I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on and give Jimmy uh, uh, my best when you next see him. Absolutely will. And we have an opportunity to, to make news and break news here, and you know how I love to do that, Governor. 
you were speaking before the New Jersey Business and Industry Association recently, and you doubled down on your commitment to let the uh, corporate business tax surcharge expire at the end of the year. Obviously, there are people who would love to keep that. Uh, can you tell us, has your position changed? Where do you stand on this? Yeah, it, it has not, Harry. We put it on as a temporary matter right when we first got in office now almost six years ago because the state's fiscal situation was dire. But we made a commitment at that point to the corporations that it would be temporary. Um, and, I, you know, a deal's a deal. And, and we have had very significant economic growth. Corporations have said to us all along, okay, we're willing to live with this temporarily, and when it goes away, we're going to increase investment, increase job creation, so I want to hold them to their word. Uh, But it's it's the right thing to do, and uh, it's not without pain. You know, we've got a structural uh, budget challenge like like a lot of American states right now, but we've also got a very fat surplus, and that's not by accident. That's to allow us to weather a, soft, a softer economy, which I think we're in the midst of right now. But we're going to get through this. And as I say, our economic growth has been significant. I think this will only further propel it. This is such important news because, as you know, businesses have to plan. And what welcome news this will be to know that this is not a burden that they're going to have to uh, shoulder any longer. I, I like the way you said that, that it was temporary in nature, because just to keep it on, then, then it would be, hey, I told everybody it's temporary, but if we keep it on, then it gets to a point where it's not temporary. You know, it becomes rather permanent. So this lets them plan knowing that they're no longer encumbered by this tax. I think it's a very big deal. Yeah, I, I, and, and I would say if we left it on, Harry, it, it smacks of the old way of doing business in Jersey, which you and I both know well, where we used to be 30, 40 years ago, a triple-A bond-rated state. It, we were the envy of other American states. Folks trusted us. We were responsible fiscally, and we sort of fell off the rails. By the way, both sides of the aisle, this is not even a political state. It's just a fact. Yeah. I, I, we want those bad days to be permanently behind us, and, and behavior like like letting this stay on the books, I think, would undermine that. I agree, and and, and it's you keeping your word, which I've seen you do throughout your uh, not two terms, but you are a two-term governor within your second term right now. Those just joining us on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, we're visiting with New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. Give us an idea, Governor, and I know that um, New Jersey is a state. It's right near New York. It's right near uh, Pennsylvania. So we're right there in the middle between uh, two major cities as well, and two major states, and we're a major state as well. But what's the economic outlook for the state of New Jersey in your estimation? Yeah. So we're an innovation economy for folks who don't know us. I'll, I'll probably die trying to make trucks and cars again in New Jersey, but I, I fear I will die trying to do that. But if you're in the pharmaceutical, bio, life science, tech, telecom, fintech, increasingly film, television, digital, I think, Harry, uh, generative artificial intelligence will have a significant presence in New Jersey. The outlook uh, in the medium to long term in New Jersey, I am a huge bull. I think we're getting ourselves set up really well. We've got a bunch of innovation centers that we're funding. I feel really, really good about it. I think largely due to, to, to issues that are outside of our control, I'm less bullish on the near term because of things like high uh, inflation, which is coming down, but still high. 
the Federal Reserve, mortgage rates, a war in Ukraine, a war in the Middle East, supply chain, etc. I think we're going to have to digest a fair amount of stuff as a country, probably as a global economic matter, in the next sort of six to 18 months. Jersey won't be immune for that, from that. But long-term, huge, huge bull, especially in the innovation economy. I want to mention something that you just jogged my memory about, and you deserve credit for this. Because I think a lot of times people think about a Democratic governor or a Republican governor, and you get put in a box. For example, mm-hmm. you put in incentives that has encouraged Netflix and other filmmakers. It's it's an advantage. I know Hallmark just did movies in the greater Atlantic City area. There's a new movie house that's going to be opening up, I know, in the northern portion of the state and the southern portion of the state. There are incentives to make movies in New Jersey. You bet. And and, and we are now you – know, it's where film was invented, by the way, in Fort Lee, which that's you right. and I both know, but folks who aren't from Jersey might not know that. And we had, we had lost our way in that space over – and that was over 100 years ago, but particularly over the past sort of decade or two. We are back in business. And Harry, and you again know this, it's back in two respects. One is Steven Spielberg raises his hand a few years ago and says, I want to make West Side Story in New Jersey. He did. He loved it. And he tells everybody that. So that's great. But even more importantly, we're talking about bricks and mortar. Netflix with a near billion dollar investment. Um, big studio in South Ward of Newark, where I'm speaking to you right now. A big one planned for Bayonne. Three sound stages opened already in Jersey City. When, when somebody makes a commitment like that, they're in, that's a multi-decade commitment, not just one project. So we're really bullish on that space. New Jersey was Hollywood before Hollywood. It's a true story. I love that. Yeah, it I'm, really I'm, is I'm true. I may rip that off if you don't mind. You have my permission. Uh, no credit, no credit, no no uh, footnote is required. <laughs> I, I want to ask you about the lame duck session because this is suitable for all over the country, those listening on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Lame duck sessions can be magical. They can be very productive. Things that couldn't get done, I'll call it in normal times, can get done at times where maybe members are leaving, others may be staying, but it's still something you can get done. I, I like to see productive lame duck sessions. What are your priorities? Yeah, I, and I think you'll see that here, Harry. Um, um, I want to, if, if I'm right about a softening economy, I don't want to be going back to being a drunken sailor and spending money on everything, but I also want to be smart. And, and the legislative leaders are outstanding in our state. I'm, I'm really blessed to deal with a Senate president and a speaker of the General Assembly who are great partners. But things on my list will be at least some form of liquor license reform. We are really the last state stuck almost entirely uh, or one of the last states in Prohibition era laws, so at least a partial victory there. We need more judges in our superior courts, so getting them through the system would be a priority. We've got a higher education transparency package of bills, which I'd love to see get through. Maybe a little bit more complicated uh, whole set of bills on better oversight of nursing homes and long-term care. Those will give you some sense of, of, of some priorities, all of which, uh, again, working with the legislature are within the realm of reason. Does anything happen with smoking and the, the, the somewhat of a carve-out? It's not full, but the somewhat of a carve-out that is left for the casino industry. For those who don't know, uh, many jurisdictions have no smoking. Uh, Atlantic City has some, some space where there is uh, smoking, interior smoking. The casinos will tell you 
that they're going to get devastated, especially by New York, if this if this changes is anything. Do you expect anything anytime soon with that? Yeah, good question, particularly given your Atlantic City base and my uh, my uh, huge support of Atlantic City. Too early to tell uh, is the punchline. Um, and I don't know that that's going to come through in the lame duck. Uh, it, it may or may not. Um, and your point about the uh, – and listen, as a health matter, I want to do the right thing, and I've always said that. You're, you're right. We've heard from virtually every one of the casino operators and owners that they're concerned about business impact uh, because you've got adjacent states that either currently or in the future will have uh, different smoking rules. Uh, but we'll see. Um, it's something I've said in the past that I would sign, and, I, and I'm not put, putting a footnote on that, but I, I don't think we can ignore the impact on, on, on business in Atlantic City. I'm going to conflate two issues because I think there's a, a comparison here. I remember Governor Christie roundly criticized for taking the sports betting issue and taking a shot at seeing if the uh, Supreme Court would grant certiorari and and give it a shot. Everybody said, oh, my God, you're wasting money. There's no way. We lost our chance. And and I've always believed that that was blown early. But much to many people's surprise, uh, we won. And and I, I think that without sports betting, uh, it would be you know a very very different uh, financial scenario at the moment. So that was huge, and and under the heading you you can't win if you don't play, took a long shot and it it and it hit pay dirt. Right mm-hmm. now it's my understanding I'm I'm not uh, an expert in this space, but my producer Michael is is a big fan. The World Cup 2026. It looks like and three different locations as you know the Americas and elsewhere, MetLife. And AT&T Stadium in Dallas, it looks like either or will will have the World Cup finals in 2026. Yep. How do you like our chances? Yeah. So uh, first on Chris Christie, God bless him. That was the absolute right thing to do. And I the agree. day I became governor, one of my all of my kids thought one of the most remarkable things is the case was renamed Christie v. NCAA to Murphy v. NCAA. Uh, and we won it. And it's been a game changer in New Jersey. If folks out there don't know this, we have been now for several years the number one sports book state in America, long ago passing Nevada. So game changer. <clears throat> I'd say 50-50, Harry, on the World Cup final. Uh, we are clearly, with New York City, one of the hosts. So we'll have, my guess is, a good eight games. Yep. Think about that for a second. Yep. Over six weeks, basically eight Super Bowls, 80,000. We'll sell every ticket to every game in New Jersey. There's just no doubt about that. Um, and you're right, based on what we know, at least it's MetLife versus AT&T. Um, we think we've got the better case to be made. You know, as they say, we're with New York City, so you point to the fact that it's the global city of New York, the biggest media market in the world, huge soccer passion, diversity, facilities are first rate. I like, our, I like our, the hand we're playing, but I still think it's a coin flip. And I agree with that. I, I like the way you said that, Governor. Governor Murphy, our guest, if you're just tuning in, the New Jersey governor, Phil Murphy. I've said this often, the, the position of governor of New Jersey, when I say the most powerful in the country, it, it's because of our Constitution. Uh, it really affords you an opportunity to get a lot done, doesn't it? It does. And you have to be you have to use that power judiciously and for the people. Um, so if folks, again, don't know Jersey, the only 
and I don't mean federal positions, but I mean state government, the only elected official statewide are the governor and lieutenant governor. And as Harry knows, the lieutenant governor is only a recent phenomenon in New Jersey. So every other member of the cabinet, yeah. which in many states are elected, are appointed by the governor. So that alone gives you a sense of the concentration that the Constitution affords. But again, you've got to use that judiciously, always ethically, and for the people. Uh, this is their state, and putting their interests first is obviously the, the, the number one and always will be number one priority. And you picked the lieutenant governor, so even that, the governor picked, the successful candidate for governor picked the that, lieutenant governor. That is not only true, but as you again know, tragically, our lieutenant governor passed in August. So we, uh, Sheila Oliver, who was a giant and, and, and spent a lot of her time as lieutenant governor in Atlantic City, um, and we now have a terrific uh, lieutenant governor who's our secretary of state, Tahisha Way, who succeeded her and is doing a great job. Final minute, because I know you have to run. The the MetLife as as a potential winner, I, I like your odds. I, I, I know a lot has been done. Are you comfortable with how much, by way of improvements, have been done to make it competitive to be able to win? Yes, I am, although there's still work to be done. And I'll give you an example. Uh, FIFA's got some pretty – FIFA being the, the world governing authority for soccer – has some pretty strict setback requirements. So we'll have to do some work in the corners, all manageable. We'll have to grow natural grass, which a guy named Ron Bandeveen has been running this place since it was Giant Stadium. He's the best in the business. Uh, and then there'll be an enormous amount of investment in things like fan fests, transportation in and out. Uh, NJ Transit's improved dramatically. We saw that with Taylor Swift this summer and Bruce Springsteen and other events. So the answer is yes, I'm, I'm completely confident, but that doesn't mean there still isn't work to do over the next several years. Uh, it's time to say goodbye. I, as you noticed, I didn't mention anything about the fact that, that a certain gentlelady is running for governor, is running for <laughs> United States senator. Notice I didn't do that to you because you're on the job. I don't want to bring you into election politics. But I did write about a certain gentlelady that I think is terrific uh, about a day before she announced her candidacy for the United States Senate. And if you see her anytime soon, would you send my regards? I'm going to see her in the next two minutes. She was very humbled by what you wrote and said, Harry, and uh, she's working her tail off. and She's going to earn this thing by going everywhere in the state and meeting anybody who will meet with her. Well, here's my prediction. She cannot lose the primary. She will win. And no Republican has won the general election in like 50 years, uh, she's going to be the next United States senator. But I didn't say that to you. I did not embroil you and bring you into that. So, Bless you. And that. by the way, one other thing for our listeners, because you think New Jersey, progressive, blue, we've never had from either party uh, a woman senator. That's true. And don't we prove that a Democrat and a Republican can get along just fine? One thousand percent. You're one of the good guys. Let me no doubt about it. Again, give Jimmy my best and always great to be with you, Harry. Right back to you, Governor. Be well. Take care. God bless. You, you too, sir. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy will be right back. Don't go away because this is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You're listening to the most addictive show on the radio. This is crack, rock cocaine. It isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
We are back. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, Harry, Michael, and Joshua filling in today. I want to make a quick comment. My friend Sean Hannity hit it off with California Governor Gavin Newsom. You can't explain these things. They're, they're the odd couple. One is very conservative. One is hard left, extremely liberal. But they hit it off. I hit it off with Governor Murphy. And you, you just and some people don't like that. But that's the country we're supposed to be. Whatever party affiliation we have shouldn't be ahead of ahead of, you know, interpersonal relationships and the ability to, to get things done and to get along. We don't always have to be against someone that has a different political philosophy. And I want to comment about Disney. I spent time there recently in their SEC filings. They said, quote, we face risks relating to misalignment with public and consumer tastes and preferences for entertainment, travel, consumer products, which impact demand for our entertainment offerings and products and profitability of any of our businesses. Let me that's that needs translation. What they're saying is that this philosophy of far left social and political agenda is hurting them at the bottom line and with the shareholders. That is a very, very big deal. Thanks for listening. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.